0: You excited for the word this morning. I'm very excited as usual. But before we get there, I want to give you a little bit of an update. So Johannes is not back yet. Johannes uh is he has left Malawi, praise the Lord. He's on his way back. He's actually just messaged me. He's boarding now for Vintuk. So I will do an airport run after the service. But they've had an incredible week in Lelongwe in Malawi for the last week. They left last week Friday and they literally spent six days in the bush. They were camping in the rain and in the mud. I said to him, that sounds um, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more the guest house type. Um, but he, had, he was absolutely in his element. And they, were, they went out there. We've been doing as a church uh, with our church in South Africa, Levene Wirtkop. We've been outreaching there for the last 10 years. And uh, our pastor, JC, he met one man of peace. And they've planted, I think, over 15 churches in the last 10 years in Lelongwe itself from Muslim villages to all sorts of different villages that are non-Christian. And so this week they went and they ordained, I think, between eight and ten new pastors um, of these local churches. So in the mornings they went village from village to village to village, door to door, hut to hut. And they were praying for the sick and they saw blind people get healed in Jesus' name. They saw deaf people receiving hearing back. Johannes said to me, the last two days they saw lame people getting up from mats. This is the Bible coming to life. And for that, I will actually do a tent in the rain. (laughs) But only then. (laughs) And so he said in the nights they were doing crusades, and every single church that they went to with these local pastors, they just went to strengthen the churches. And he said God's presence was so tangible. It was so strong. He said before they even started some of the... um, Some of the sessions, they just literally stood there while the people started singing. They have no speakers, no sound desk, no media laptop, no nothing, no coffee flasks, just God's presence. And Johannes said he just stood there and he was just reminded again that that's what it's about. It's God's presence. So he's coming fired up, ready for the Wundu. Um, And I want to encourage you, I'm now actually also so excited for Devundu now that he's coming back with all the testimonies. We are going on the first trip, the 16th to the 21st of May. I know May has got a lot of public holidays, but trust me, there is nothing like seeing God work in a place where people are so open for the gospel. If you have never experienced praying for someone and you didn't have to have years of experience, trust me, I didn't know a thing and God moved through me. And if he can do it through me, he can do it through anyone. And I will never forget the first time I prayed for someone. I went on an outreach. I had absolutely no idea. All I knew was that I wanted to do this. There was something pulling me towards this thing. And I remember praying for a lady and I remember actually praying, Lord, don't send me anyone that needs healing or anything like that. I just want to pray a blessing over someone. Because it was. I just felt like there was too much pressure. And what I learned is that when you say yes, And I will never forget the first time I prayed for someone. And literally, this lady came and she said she's got a broken wrist. And I was looking around for someone. Is there anyone that can pray with me? Because... We didn't have enough translators. It was in Mozambique. So people were speaking Portuguese. I couldn't speak Portuguese. And um, literally the translator hopped from group to group to group. And he said, no, she's got a broken wrist. And then he left me with her. And I'm like, "Nia you And so I just did what I just thought I should do. And I just prayed. And honestly, God moves in spite of what you think, where you are. And I could feel that lady's wrist. What means? That crack being don't know what that is in English. Excuse my English this morning. Yes, that thing. It moved. It moved under my hand as I was laying hands on her. And she started screaming with joy because her pain left and her arm was healed supernaturally. And I will never, ever forget it. Those kind of experiences that you have with the Lord, no one can take it away from you. No one can come and convince you that God doesn't heal because you saw it. You felt it. You experienced it. So I want to encourage you, please think about, pray about, Lord, should I come on this trip? It doesn't matter if your knees are shaking so much because you're so scared. That is a great sign that God is saying yes. (laughs) Amen. And so if you are interested in the trip, then we've got a sign outside at our info desk. Please just sign up. We are going to start planning this trip when Johannes gets back now this week. In addition to our new venue, praise the Lord. And um, because we want to make sure that we have enough accommodation, because some of our Cape Town team also want to come. But we said we first want to give place to our Namibian church because this is our territory. Amen. Uh, But obviously, we're going to be so excited if they want to join us. And so I want to encourage you with that. That's totally not what I wanted to speak about. What else are we talking about? Oh, Johannes has a greeting. Can we pop up just his greeting video?
1: Good day, church family. Um, good day, word, Ventuk. Hey, I'm really miss you guys. I'm here in the middle of the bush, in the middle of nowhere in Malawi. Um, I arrived here a week ago with our church from South Africa, where we we came here just to strengthen the other churches here that we have, the other pastors here, and it's really, really been an amazing time. And I can't wait to share with you guys everything we did here. You know, it's been a few long days. Um, we started in the mornings at. Nine o'clock until five, six in the afternoon, constantly going from door to door, village to village, and just praying for people and um, bringing them good news and salvation. Man, it's it's really been wow. It's been good. Um, and this evening now uh, we're starting a crusade. As you can hear in the background, people are already singing, and that's something we do every night. We're do, doing these crusades every evening for for five, six. A night in a row. The people here are so expectant. We saw so many miracles so far where people are getting healed. Um, the, the blind people that can see again, the, the deaf people that can hear again. We had a few lame people now that can walk again after many, many years of being on mats, not able to walk. So it's been really, really great. So um, I can't wait to see you guys again and to share everything. And um, be blessed. Enjoy the Sunday, and we'll speak again. Bye-bye.
0: Come on. How good is that? I'm really excited. Now he's going to talk my ears off for the next few days. (laughs) Awesome. And then before we get into the Word, we are also so excited. We are finally, after two and a half years here at the Barn, moving to our new venue. We've got three Sundays, including today, left at the Barn and we're obviously very excited, so we want to encourage you. There's a lot of people that have asked us, okay, well, what do you guys need? Like, what have, you, what have you got? What do you not have? And obviously, there's a lot that we don't have. But I just want to say thank you. We've got a list up of what people have already donated so far. So we've received, I think it's that second image. Here we go. So we've already got a TV screen with the USB for our kids' church so they can praise and worship which we're so pumped about. We've got a DVD player for kids. Someone donated 30 cool drink glasses. Yay, Thursday, thirsty Sundays. We've got coffee mugs, cup, sauces, teaspoons, tablecloths, jugs, water glass containers, all of that. So we pretty much sorted for a lot of that. What we still do need and what we're still really trusting the Lord for, and if you wanna pray about, if you wanna get involved in is our biggest need is this little guy over here. It's called a projector. And this is what we're going to need because the hall that we have is actually three times the size of this venue. So those of you who were part of Shofar many years ago, it's that same building. So um, it's going to be incredible. It's called Rosewood Academy School. And the projector is actually what we will use to basically do everything on the screen. So we need something with much more strength than what the school currently has. A lot more lumens. That's about my technical knowledge as far as that goes. So if you've got any questions about that or you know of any great suppliers, please come and chat to Johannes about that. Um, We need to raise funds for that. They are quite expensive. We also need a couple of additional things for sound like HDMI cables. Obviously, everything needs to be so much longer than what we've currently got. But again, Johannes is your guy for that. And then we are also trusting the Lord for a coffee machine. Amen. It's all about priorities. We are not doing church without good coffee. Praise the Lord. But we, we would love some good coffee. And so we've got some quotes for a filter coffee machine. But again, if anyone has some really great suppliers, please come and let us know. Um, our heart is really to bless people with a free cup of coffee or two or three when they come to church. So that's basically what we are needing for now, as well as some tracer tables because this is the barn, we use all of their goodies here. But obviously, at our new venue, we will need some of our own equipment. But what is amazing is that the school also gave us a storage facility so we can keep everything there and just set up and pack down every Sunday. So I know the team is really excited about that because the storeroom is right next to the hall. So Ali Klangman I say amen. Awesome. Can we get into the word this morning? Because I'm about to burst with excitement about the word of God. And why don't we just pray briefly? Ask the Lord to help me communicate. Father, I thank you this morning again, Lord, that your word is truth. I thank you that your word is power. And Lord, I pray that Holy Spirit, you would anoint my lips, you would speak through me this morning, Lord. And may we get a revelation today of this topic. Lord, may you open up our eyes, may you open up our hearts of understanding, enlighten our hearts, Lord, to really understand and grasp your heart for your local church. We ask that in Jesus' mighty name, and everyone said, Amen. What I actually do need to pray is, Lord, help me communicate this in time. (laughs) Because when I started to prepare this message, I probably had six pages of notes that will at least get us going for two hours. So if you've got any chicken in the oven, let's pray that it will not burn. (laughs) Okay, but I want to talk about a topic that I started with last week, and I want to continue it today, and it's something that God has been really stirring up for me in my own heart again over the last couple of weeks, because I believe that if we get a revelation of this thing, if we understand the way that God looks at this, the way that his heart feels about this, his passion for it, it'll actually change the outcome of our lives. I honestly believe that with everything inside of me because that's my own testimony. And I want to speak about the local church. Now, when I say the word church, I do recognize that for many people, it's a very loaded word. It's a loaded word. For some people, it has very, very amazing positive connotations, But there are other people for whom it actually holds very negative connotations. Maybe it reminds us of a negative experience. Or maybe it's actually a hurtful memory. Which is so sad, but that's a reality of the days that we live in. And I believe that God has an intense passion and love and devotion for his church. If he did not, he would not have sent his son to die for her. And I believe that, as I've seen over the last couple of years, especially during the last two years of lockdown, I see this sort of like a, I don't know if that's the right phrase to call it, but a spirit of apathy towards the local church. It's like there are many believers, and as I said last week, I'm not preaching us because I'm preaching to the converted, but many of us know people that have actually developed a wounded spirit towards the church, and therefore it's resulted in apathy. In other words, we want to be believers, but we don't think we need the local church. We don't think that there is value in the church. We don't think there is value in community or in the concept of a local church, and we think it's just, okay, it's just me and Jesus. And I actually want to say that that is not scriptural. We know that Jesus died for his bride. And we said last week, who is, we set some foundation. If you missed last week's service, there's a podcast out for that. But last week we said, who is the church is really an important foundation to discuss what is the purpose of the church. And we said that the church, we know, is not a building It's not the barn. It's not this building over here. The church is actually us, you and I. We are the temple of God in the New Testament. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to come and live on the inside of us. We are the church. But we also see throughout Scripture, Old and New Testament, that the church is also the local church. So there's the universal church, which is all the believers of all time. And then there is the local church. Us, right here this morning at the barn. And I believe that God wants to give us a new revelation of His heart for the church. A passion that would lead someone to die for something tells me it's a huge passion. And I actually believe that the church is the only thing with eternal value on this earth. All that you and I get to take with when we meet Jesus or when we depart earth before He comes... Is what we invested into eternity. In other words, what did I invest into the lives of people and what did I invest through the local church? Anything of kingdom value. That's all I'm taking with. Not my business, not my home, not my Willy Stoppies, nothing I am taking with me into eternity. And I had a very, very sad. Story this week, one of, one of my very good friends, she's also a pastor at a church um, in Cape Town, and we lived together for two years, and her mom passed away very suddenly. She's my age. Her mom is my mom's age. She, they were on holiday, and she had a heart attack, and she was gone. But this lady, this lady was probably one of the most generous people I have ever met. What Jacques spoke about this morning, she had a kingdom revelation on. Every year for every conference, all the women, all of us girls, she would buy conference tickets for us. She would invest into the kingdom. And I thought about her the whole weekend, and I thought to myself, I wonder what kind of a reception she got in heaven over the weekend when she came into eternity. And I know that lady has invested, and she was very successful. God blessed her, I think, because she understood And I just thought to myself about this concept of eternity, and that fueled me even more for this morning's message because I'm like, Lord, help us then to prioritize your church. Help us to prioritize our priorities. (laughs) Because if that is your heart, open up our hearts so we can have the same heartbeat, so we can understand your heart, because then we will prioritize what you prioritize, amen? And I want to share, so last week we spoke about three principles. We said Jesus is the head of the church. We understand he's the one that is the head of the body. The Bible speaks about the body of Christ. We know the metaphors, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. Um, The church is also an army. The church is also the branches of the vine. And I heard this beautiful quote from someone this week as I was actually studying, and she described the body of Christ. And I shared it with our team this morning, and it struck me. Wow, okay, I've never thought about it that way. If Jesus is the head of the church and we are his body, in other words, we are his hands and feet on earth to do what he came to do and to accomplish, but the body parts are separated from one another. In other words, we're not in unity and we're not connected and we're not in community, we're not one body. Then we don't have a body, we have a crime scene. I thought to myself, wow. That's sometimes how the church tries to operate. But Jesus actually said, I am going back to the Father. You are the body. I'm sending the Holy Spirit to keep you together in unity as the body to go and fulfill the mandate and purposes I have left for you to do before I come back to get you. And what is so profound to me is that Jesus actually Throughout his ministry on earth, he taught only what? Jesus had one message that he preached. Not three steps out, too. Jesus preached about the kingdom of God. That was his message. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is actually the rule and reign of God on earth. The rule and reign of God on earth. Jesus' first message he preached In Mark 1, it says that he came to Galilee preaching the gospel of what? Of the kingdom of God, saying the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Jesus was actually very straightforward. (laughs) And what did Jesus then do? Jesus, for three years, came to demonstrate to the disciples that he trained up. Because remember, Jesus' plan, the disciples were to become the early church of which we were then added afterwards. So his aim was to show them for three years, this is your mission. You have to go and establish the kingdom of God on earth because I'm I'm leaving. I'll see you when I come back. Here's Holy Spirit to give you the power to do it. But Jesus actually left the local church with a mandate. So there is a mission you and I have been entrusted with as the church, as his body as his hands and feet on this earth. And I want to read to you two scriptures, Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. And in your Bibles, most Bibles will use the heading, the Great Commission. Now, if someone gets sent out on a mission, they get commissioned. This is our commission. Verse 18, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. He repeats a similar thing in Mark 16, verse 15 to can't remember. 15 to 18, I think. And he said to them, go. Everyone say go. go. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. That's people. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, in other words, in his authority, they will cast out demons They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. And they will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. This is what scholars refer to as the Great Commission. In other words, this is what Jesus said. I am leaving you. You are more than capable because of my Holy Spirit, but this is your job. You had one job. That is the Great Commission. That is the mission and the aim of the church, capital C. All around the globe, we've got one mission. Now, obviously, God uses different local church churches in different expressions, but everything taps into the Great Commission. Everything taps into the idea that we have to establish the kingdom of God on this earth. We need to establish His rule and His reign on earth. That's why Jesus demonstrated for us. That's why in the three years that he was on earth, he laid hands on the sick and they recovered. He freed people from demonic oppression. He taught the word of God and explained to people that kingdom living is very different than living in the world. And that's where our vision comes from, to establish a loving Bible-based kingdom community. It's to establish the kingdom. It comes from the Great Commission. It's not just some idea that Wim Neville had when he planted the church. It's actually part of the Great Commission. It's what Jesus said we are to do. And the way that we do this is actually, I believe, God uses, the biggest vehicle that he uses to fulfill the Great Commission is his local church. In other words, it's groups of Christians gathering together. Where there can be community, healthy community, where there can be fellowship, where there can be relationship. Because discipleship, remember Jesus said, don't just convert people, make disciples. A disciple is actually someone that learns from the teacher. Not only do we learn from the teacher, but we then apply what the teacher taught. That is how we will establish the kingdom is through planting local churches, raising up disciples, equipping people into their gift and calling, which all taps into this, and then we continue until Jesus comes back. That's really it. (laughs) And I am so passionate about the local church, and I pray I'm going to get through this in Jesus' name, but I've got three main purposes that I believe, and maybe that's not all of it, But that's what God has really spoken to my heart that I have a revelation about. Three purposes for the local church that is really important for us to know. But before I get into that, I really feel like I just want to share for those who haven't heard my story. But I think the reason why I'm so passionate about the local church is because it's actually changed my life. And I know Jesus changed my life, but he used the local church. And I grew up in a very traditional home, like many of us, many Afrikaans-speaking people. I grew up in a very traditional home. My parents believed in Jesus. We had, you know, Sunday school. I, the Bible was in our home. But I never had a relationship with the Holy Spirit. I was never born again. No one really explained to me. You know, we didn't have that kind of teaching about being born again, about accepting Jesus, about water baptism, baptism in the Holy Spirit. None of that. The kingdom didn't really understand. And when I got into my 20s, my early 20s, I actually was very, very lost. I actually thought about it because I brought my old Bible. (laughs) You can see it's falling apart. And I thought again of where I was about 15 years ago. And I actually felt so sad. I was like, shame, you know. If I think back of my life, have you ever thought about where you were? And you look at yourself now and you think, oh, Shame. And I was so lost, if I think about it now. I was so far from the Lord. A question that really bothered me from the time that I was a little girl, and I couldn't really quantify it until I got to the local church, was I've always wondered why we are here. Has anyone ever had that question? Even as a child, I remember, why are we here? What is the bigger purpose? You know those questions that we ask. And I remember it always used to bug me. I didn't really talk to people about it, and I would never really heard an answer to it. So you just, you know, those things that you just kind of push them aside, and you just go with the flow, and you continue. And at that time, I was in my early 20s. I was working for an ad agency. I studied public relations management, and it was a very intense agency, work life, we worked long hours, lots of clients, uh, you know, no boundaries, 12 o'clock at night, you still have your laptop open, you know, those kind of things, many of you are in that situation right now, that corporate world, and I remember suffering from a lot of fear and anxiety and panic attacks, to the point where it actually hindered me from normal social life, like I would get a panic attack at a braai, I would get a panic attack in the movies, I would get a panic attack, you know, in the mall, and so... I became sort of inclusive. I became sort of introverted. I would rather stay at home than be in a public situation among people. And if you've ever had fear or panic attacks, the only way I can describe it is like a a sense of doom and gloom coming over you, like this huge cloud coming over you. You feel like you actually want to die, like you want to suffocate. You can't breathe. Your heart is palpitating right here in your throat. It's just a terrible, terrible thing to experience. And so my doctor actually put me, my GP said, no, you just need an antidepressant because it is something to do with chemical imbalance in your brain. And so I was on antidepressants and I was trying to figure out this work balance thing and everything was just way out of whack. And I had this friend who kept insisting that I come to church with him. Now, I didn't have anything against the church. I didn't, it just wasn't part of my life. It wasn't a priority in my life. And... Quite frankly, I was scared to go because he's told me what happens at this church. Like last Sunday, he went and people fell down. I was like, that's weird. I'm not interested. I don't want to go. Because what if something happens to me? Remember, panic attacks. I kind of, what if I have a panic attack in the church? Like, that would be embarrassing. And so I refused him, refused him. But he insisted, insisted. And to just get him off my back one day, I said, fine, I will go. But then promise you will leave me alone. True story. And so I went, and it was so strange. We came into the parking lot, and this was a huge church, so there were hundreds of people. Now I'm already nervous because I don't do crowds like this. And so I come into the parking lot, and there are people jumping, welcome to church, and they're showing me where to park. And you're like, alles wordt the trap, ne? I guess, oh, yeah. Okay, so, and then there were people at the door welcoming me, like going crazy. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And then I got to the foyer and there were 10 more people greeting me. And, you know, they were all wearing the shirts and the lanyards and everything. And like, it was just really overwhelming, to be honest. And I would always be like with a cell phone, you know, the cell phone trick. You're just scrolling, but there's nothing. But maybe people think you're so busy, they won't talk to you. That didn't work. And so, but when I got into the service... And they put off the lights and the worship music started. I never forget. I a chunk I cannot tell you what happened in my life. Like the presence of God came over me and I didn't know it was the presence of God, but something lifted off of my life. Something in my heart went, this is it. This is the answer I was looking for my whole life. No one had even preached yet. <laughs> Nothing had happened. The word has not even been opened. It was the first notes of that guitar or that piano or something. And I experienced God's presence for the first time. And honestly, it changed my entire life. I kept coming back. I was still freaked out by all the people. But something pulled me back. And I came and I came. And one night, I think it was a few services in, one night, I came and I was alone. I had some friends that I, because I always would gather people to maybe come with me, but they weren't interested. And I was like, this was a huge step of me to actually go alone. And I went and that night something happened to me in worship. Something broke off of my life, fear, panic attacks, all of those things. And then the pastor preached the message that I will never forget in my life. And I wrote it down in this Bible. This was my, then I went to buy a Bible, an English Bible, because it was an English church. And here it says, 13th July, 2018. I wrote it down. I wrote down every single thing that happened to me from that night on. And he preached a message on Jeremiah 29:11, And he said, God has got a plan and a purpose for your life. I was like, why hasn't anyone ever told me that? And... He did an altar call, and it was a huge uh, convention center. So there were like 100 steps to get down to the front, but I took every step. And I was crying, and I was scared, and all of these things. But someone then prayed for me. Then I went to a course. I wrote down the whole journey, you can tell. Then I went to a course. Then I started serving. Then I went into a home cell. Then this, then that. And every time I was scared, with every step I was scared. I was nervous. It was the unknown. But that night, God, through His local church, through those people that we're even praying before the service. I said to the team this morning, don't underestimate us praying for all of you before you come for every service. I am the fruit of those people standing in a circle on a Sunday morning, on a Sunday night, praying for new people to come in. And God heard them, and He answered their prayers, and He touched my life, and He changed the entire trajectory of my life. And so from that point, I want to share with you that the local church is a powerful, powerful vessel in the hand of the Lord. And He's actually called you and me to be a part of it. All of us. It's not one or two of us, it's all of us. And that is my heart, and that's why I'm so passionate about church. And I remember it was, I went to Bible college, and then I went to study theology, and then I was like, stuff, the corporate world, PR, I want to work for Jesus full time. And that was a whole another long 10 years of preparation, but... I remember thinking, Lord, if this happened to me, I'm going to see this happen to every single person I know. And that is the mission. And so, praise the Lord, we're going to get through this. Three points. Number one, the purpose of the church is to exalt God. First and foremost, period. Psalm 100, if the team can put up, Psalm 100, verse 1 to 4. It says, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Joyful Jessica. (laughs) I love that. Come before His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us. Not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful to Him and bless His name. And you know, the word exalt actually means to magnify. That's why we always say in Afrikaans, That's what it means. It means to praise Him. It means to exalt Him. It means to lift up His name and honor Him. And be remo-. You know what it actually does for our own hearts? Not only does it bless the Lord. I love that song that we sang this morning. Our prayers rise like incense before Him. There's a scripture that says that. God receives and hears every prayer, and he loves to inhabit the praises of his people. The Bible says that when there is two or more of us, when we gather, and I love that it doesn't say we're one or more of you. It says we're two or more. That's when it's considered an assembly. Where two or more are gathered, he inhabits the praises of his people, because think about it. If we are the ones hosting God's presence in our hearts, because we are the temple, that's true. But 50 of us gather together, all 50 carry the presence of God in us. Like how different is that than just you and I worshiping at home by ourselves, which is also awesome and we have to. But exalting God has got a public and a private expression, And the sad thing for me is that there are many believers who believe that I only need the private expression, but I don't need the public expression. There is a power when God's presence is corporately with us. Did anyone feel that this morning? And it's not just a sensory experience. It is a deep, deep spiritual encounter. You will not even recognize sometimes what God does in His presence in a setting like this in your life until He actually reveals it to you. There is something that shifts in the supernatural. There is sometimes things that God breaks off of us that we don't even understand. I've been in services where, and it's happened to me, where people receive supernatural healing in their bodies, where People people. heals people, uh, God heals people's broken hearts. Emotional healing. Where God speaks to us, there is something, a power in the corporate gathering that I cannot explain except to say, just keep coming. Just keep coming. Because there is a power in it. And if we are just going to watch church at home, which by all means, there are some Sundays that you can't come. That's so okay. I'm not giving bucks law if you're not coming to church. <laughs> I'm saying... Do not neglect the gathering because there is a power that we will benefit from if we keep it a priority. Amen. It's a spiritual act and it's an upward focus. We exalt God. We love and worship him. Number two purpose is edification of the saints. Edification of the saints. And this is possibly to me the biggest one. No, the biggest one is exalting God. They're all big. Hebrews 10, verse 24 to 25. We read this last week as well. Let us consider thoughtfully. Let's think about it. How we may encourage one another to love and to do good deeds. Verse 25. Not forsaking our meeting together. This would be this happening here. As believers, for what? For worship and for instruction. As is the habit of some, but encourage one another all the more faithfully as you see the day of Christ's return approaching. There's a purpose of the church to edify one another. It is a place of protection for us against the forces of this world. When you and I gather and we get into the presence of God corporately together, we are corporately also and individually strengthened. We are encouraged. We are edified. And I know we know this. But I pray that God will give us a deeper revelation this morning of his purpose for that. We are strengthened from the inside out. How many of us feel better once we've come to church? And I honestly don't believe it's a superficial, oh, I'm just feeling great. That was really nice. And now I go home. I believe it's a supernatural boost In your entire being to go and fulfill your mandate that God's got on your life from Monday to Saturday. That's the reason why we gather. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 11 says, Encourage one another and build one another up. Okay, we need encouragement. I don't know about you, but I love a good encouragement. Who doesn't? 1 Peter 4 verse 8 says, Keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. And show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, everyone say, I have, gift. I have a gift. To use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's grace. So, the whole idea of church is not just for me and Johannes to serve a word and for the team to serve in the kids' church and the sound desk. Actually, all of us have to come ready to serve with our gifts. Some of us have gifts to encourage. Others of us have gifts to lead. Others have gifts to to give sacrificially beyond what other people can. Others have gifts of faith. Others have, there's so many. We don't have time to go into that. But all of us have got a gift. Amen. Galatians 2, Galatians 6 verse 2 also says, bear one another's burdens. We have to care for one another. It's impossible for Johannes and I to know what's going on in every single one of our lives. But what really blesses me is when I see people praying for each other, people going on coffee dates together, people praying together in the church, because it tells me that they're starting to do life together. They're starting to build relationships. We are starting to care for one another. And it's not this thing of there's one person on a pulpit somewhere. No, no, we are all equal. We are all the church. We are all taking care of one another. We are all pastoring each other. Everyone say, I'm a pastor. You said it. Okay, so we also gather why, because we need to do teaching and equipping. 2 Timothy three sixteen. and these scriptures are all in new version. It says that all scripture is breathed by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. The reason why we come around the word of God together corporately is so we can be trained for our mission. So we can be trained for righteousness. But there are also going to be times where we are going to be corrected. I said the C word. No one likes that. And also what we don't like is being accountable to human authority. And that's the problem why many people have deserted the church. Because sadly, maybe there was a leader who didn't know how to handle their authority correctly. And they hurt people. Leadership is a very serious position. You are literally responsible in the spirit for the people that you are leading. I feel the fear of God on me for this position that we are in, because the Bible actually says that, especially those who have put in church leadership, He will hold us accountable. So it's not something you take lightly. But the problem is, is that as people, we have become, we've become allergic to the idea of authority maybe because there's been so much abuse in authority, you know? And I just really felt like the Lord wants to emphasize again that He's also ordained human authority for our good, for our growth, for our correction, for our accountability. And it's actually healthy. It's actually healthy. And... How else are we going to train for righteousness if we aren't able to be corrected? Sometimes Johannes would even share something with me on a scripture. And he was like, I don't think that was the right interpretation. And so I could be offended because I'm a teacher of the word of God. Or I could be like, oh, wow, Lord, please come and correct me. I want to understand. I want to grow. That's the heart that he actually wants us to have. Titus 2, I love this church is supposed to be a church of the generations as well. It's not just for young people. Just because people come to our church and Johannes and I look young. Who thinks we look young? (laughs) Okay, you don't have to answer. Um, It's not just for young people. We need every generation part of the church. We need people with more wisdom. The Bible says silver hair is wisdom. Okay, Titus 2 says you need to teach sound doctrine. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, sound in faith and love. And then it also says you need to teach the older women to be reverent in how they live. And here's what I love. The Bible says that the older women must also teach the younger women. Listen to this, Dormus. It says that the older women must teach the younger women. To love their husbands and children, encourage them, and to be a good example to younger men. And the Bible actually also says that we need to teach the younger men to be self-controlled and to be full of faith. So we are actually here to teach one another. Just because I'm the pastor doesn't mean I cannot learn from someone. I'm also here to learn. We are all here to learn. And the Apostle Paul actually said that he calls us to grow up spiritually. Part of this discipleship process is to grow spiritually. Paul said that don't just stay on the milk. Okay, so my brother and my sister-in-law had a baby six weeks ago. Little Leah. And she is the most gorgeous thing on planet Earth, obviously. And... I love that every week, no, every day, my mom sends me photos of how this little girl is growing. And she's obviously still on milk, okay? And I love that she is just growing. But my brother, who loves a good choppy, is not going to feed her a choppy. She's going to drink milk until she gets to a place where she can digest more solid food. And it's the same principle. But Paul says, I don't want you to stay babies and stay on the milkies. I want you to get to the steak. I want you to get to the broccoli. I want you to get to the carrots. It's going to be good for you. It doesn't taste so lekker, but it's healthy. It's good for your body. It's good for your spiritual growth. It's good for your heart. It's good for the renewal of your mind. And so at some stage, we need to grow deeper with God. And that's where the local church comes in. We need to grow together. One of my last scriptures, Ephesians 4. I'm still on point number two, edification of the saints. I told you this was going to go all day. Ephesians 4. I love this scripture. It says the following. Is it not working? Okay, there we go. No, no, that's not the one. Ephesians 4. Anyway, I'll read it. If you've got a Bible, it's a good idea to open it up to Ephesians 4. There we go. In verse 11, it says this. And his gifts to the church... This is not talking about Jesus. The gifts of Jesus to the church were varied. And he himself appointed some as apostles. What are apostles? Apostles are special messengers or representatives. They are usually the people, and I would say Johannes is very much focusing in the role or functioning in the role of an apostle right now, that breaks open new ground. In other words, there's soil, there's nothing happening but new ground, the plowing of the new ground so the seed can fall in. That's the role of an apostle. Some as prophets. What is a prophet? Everyone can prophesy, but a prophet, the office of a prophet, is someone that's been appointed by God to actually speak a special message of revelation to the people and to train other people in the prophetic. Okay? Verse 12. Some as evangelists. What is an evangelist? Someone that spreads the good news. Those people that are so passionate, they cannot go to checkers without praying for someone to get, you know, eternal life. If you know people like that, they are evangelists who preach the good news of salvation. Some as pastors and teachers to shepherd and to guide and to instruct. And he did this for what reason? And this is the point that I want to make is to fully equip and perfect the saints, which is you and I, God's people, for what? Works of service. Everyone say works of service. <laughs> to build up the body of Christ, the church. Until we all reach oneness in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, growing spiritually to become a mature believer. Reaching the measure of the fullness of Christ, etc., etc. It is not just my new job To preach the word, to teach, to do all these things, and to do all the work of the ministry. It's actually all of our job. The fivefold ministry, that scripture refers to the fivefold ministry, which simply means those are the people that God has appointed as leaders in the church. And there's actually people sitting here, and God's called you to the office of the fivefold ministry. And we are here to make sure you get there. We are here to make sure that you actually get to the destiny and the place that God has called you, the gifts that he's given you for your ministry. Your ministry doesn't necessarily have to be full-time in the local church. Your ministry can be a business to raise up more people. Your ministry can be in the school field. Your ministry can be in education. It can be in technology. It can be wherever in the corporate world. There are different spheres that God wants to influence With his kingdom. But this is the place where we actually get equipped in our giftings and our abilities to go out and to fulfill that function Monday to Saturday. Then we come back Sunday. We're topped up again. We're strengthened again. We're encouraged again. And it's also the place where we get to practice on one another. I get to practice how to encourage people. I get to practice how to serve because God is actually training me up for where he is taking me. And so many believers actually miss out. Everyone wants to find out what is my destiny and what is my purpose. And I always say to people, if I don't have a word of knowledge or a prophetic word for you about what God has called you to do, I will tell you, get planted in your local church and just start somewhere. Jock, I pick up you, but Jock is here every Sunday morning and he sweeps. I like to the some. Sometimes I also like the broom. Many times he will tell me, that is mine. Thank you very much. Can you step aside? So, you know, there is... And I started in the bathroom team. I had to clean the toilets. That's where I started. We had to wipe off. The girls would actually love to write encouraging notes in lipstick in the church on the mirrors. How beautiful. I had to clean it. (laughs) Okay. So, you know, I had to make sure there was enough toilet paper. We all start somewhere. And it's not because... God wants to only just humble us. Yes, that's a part of it. But he's actually training us in righteousness. He's training us that if I can be faithful with the toilet team, if I can be faithful with the groom, I can be faithful with the offering. If I can be faithful with the offering, I can be faithful with leading an outreach. If I can be faithful with leading an outreach, I can be faithful with leading a connect group. Connect group, we don't speak about that. Home cell group. Okay, if I can be faithful with five people in my home cell group, I can be faithful, maybe, with something bigger. And he he grows and he extends and he multiplies. Johannes used to be the person in his NGO that he worked for that would carry the Bible for the person that was actually the main teacher of the ministry. He would carry the water and the Bible everywhere. What was God teaching him? I'm teaching you to serve. I'm teaching you to be faithful when you feel like it and when you don't feel like it. When the alarm goes off on Sunday morning and you're tired. (sighs) This morning I said three alarms. I'm like, Jesus, can't be late. (laughs) So, you know, God trains us. For years he did that. Then when I met him, he was actually part of the photography team. He would just take photos every Sunday. God was training him. Okay, and God's busy training many of you. Many of you have got incredible stories of how God is training you. Number three, and this is my last point, the purpose of the church is evangelism of the world. Last scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18 to 19. And this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Notice that it says God gave us. The ministry of reconciliation, which means that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. In other words, all of our individual purposes comes back to this idea. Whether I'm running a business, whether I'm in construction, whether I'm in education, in the media, wherever I am. My ministry has to do with the reconciliation of God and people. Eventually, you don't have to preach from your corporate boardroom table, but you are preaching through your life. You are preaching through the way that you are raising people and you are putting in biblical values in place in your business. You are by sowing into the kingdom financially, whatever, you know, all those, there's a hundred examples we can name. You are preaching. You are instilling the kingdom. You are establishing the kingdom where you are at. So all of us have this mission together. And the church is the place that God uses us to do it. And I love that our pastor, JC, in Cape Town, he received a couple of years ago a prophetic word from the head of our prophetic uh, division, if you want to call it that. But the prophetic team in Pretoria. And she said, I see your congregation and all the congregations that were birthed out of your congregation. We were birthed out of Cape Town. I see them sitting in the church hall with their feet going like this. And she said the word Baviach, it was in Afrikaans Baviach. It's not just the name of their outreach division. It's part of our identity. It's part of our mandate. It's part of our mission. The church that moves. I'm still looking for a good Afrikaans hashtag. I'm like the church that moves. It doesn't sound the same. But what does a body do? The body, as we said, can be a crime scene. Body parts can be spilled all over. Or all the body parts can be connected. What happens when all the body parts are connected? It moves. It moves, amen. God has called us to move in the streets, in the highways, in the byways, wherever we are. And final scripture, then I'm going to pray. This encouraged me so much. I want to read it to you in the message, and I shared it with our team this morning. And I want you to actually close your eyes this morning. Because I want you to hear it so that you're not distracted. And I want you to to hear it as if Holy Spirit is speaking it to your heart this morning. And if there's anyone watching this sermon, I'm just prophesying into the future, watching this sermon on YouTube, God is speaking to you. That is plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here. I want to emphasize that to someone's heart this morning. You belong here. With as much right to the name Christian as anyone, God is building a home, and He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here, in what He is building. He used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation. And now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone. And Christ Jesus, the cornerstone, holds all the parts together. And we see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God. All of us built into it. A temple in which God is quite at home. And I want to pray this morning for some people. If you are here this morning and I just want everyone to bow their their heads and close their eyes because I want to give people some privacy to be really honest this morning. If you are here this morning and the word church is actually a very loaded word for you. And I recognize that for many of us who gather here every week, maybe it's not, but maybe there's one or two of us that someone just invited me to come today, but I don't really have a relationship with the church as such. Or maybe you are here this morning and you've actually experienced a lot of hurt and deep disappointment in the church. And you're not sure if you want to open up your heart again to the place where you want to submit to a local church, to local leaders, to any type of commitment that resembles where your heart has been broken before, or where you've been hurt before, or where you've been disappointed by people. Maybe you know of someone who feels like that this morning and that I wanna come to church because quite honestly, they just don't know if they can trust people again. I wanna pray this morning and I wanna ask if there's anyone here that feels like that and you want the Holy Spirit to come and touch you today, then I wanna pray a special prayer for you because I believe that what the Lord wants to do is He wants to heal every hurt that we've ever experienced. And He wants to take our hand gently and say, I will not throw you in in the deep end. I will actually walk with you. He is such a gentle leader. And maybe for some people this morning, it's just taking that next step of saying, Lord, I actually wanna be part of a bigger family. I've isolated myself for so long because I'm scared of getting hurt again. And I believe that God wants to heal us this morning. If there's anyone like that, or you know of someone, you can also raise your hand so we can pray for them and include them in this prayer. Even if they're not here, God knows where they are. I want you to just gently raise your hand while everyone's just closing their eyes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you're saying, just include me in that prayer. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you this morning, Father, that you see every hand in this room. Lord, even more than that, you see every heart. Lord, you know every person's experience. You know every single event that happened, maybe that caused a hurt in our hearts or that caused deep disappointment. Or maybe it's deep distrust in people. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just touch every single person right now. Lord, even those that we are praying for that are not here in this service today, Lord, we know you know who they are. We pray, Lord, that you would come in and do a change in their hearts. Lord, come and show them your gentle mercy and love, your tender care. And that, Father, even if people have heard us, you don't want us to stay in that place of hurt. You don't want us to stay in that place of woundedness. Because you've actually got a home for us. You've got a family prepared for us. And I know, Lord, how you have used the local church family to change my life. Even if there were disappointments with certain people, Lord, you have still used your church to heal my life and to send me into my destiny. And I believe that, God, you want to do the same for every single person in this room. So I pray, Holy Spirit, would you come and open up our eyes? Would you come and heal every wounded part of our soul, Lord? Would you come and show us and invite us again into your family, into your home, into your place of community and fellowship? And Father, we pray that you would help us to be and grow into a church that will actually carry your love and will carry your light in a faithful way. That we will carry your heart to a broken world. That we will carry your heart to even each other inside of the church as we are all growing and as we are rubbing off against one another, part of our growing process. But Lord, that you would help us to be the church that you have called us to be. Help us to love like you love. Help us to reach out like you reach out. Help us to grow the way you want us to grow. And Lord, I pray a blessing over every person in this room, over every member of our church, over every visitor that came here today. Lord, and may we all rise up and grow into the mature believers that you've called us to be. And may your church grow from strength to strength and glory to glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Awesome.